All right, what song are we looking at? 52. 52. Nine verses. <clears throat> Psalm 52. I have my own way of labeling some of these. This is not an inspired annotation, obviously. But I refer to this as the rascality of man and the righteousness of God and God's people. There is a difference. Kind of follows up on what we talked about this morning. Psalm 52. <clears throat> Why boastest thou thyself in mischief, O mighty man? The goodness of God endureth continually. Thy tongue deviseth mischiefs like a sharp razor working deceitfully. Thou lovest evil more than good. Lying rather than to speak righteousness. Thou lovest all devouring words, O thou deceitful tongue. God shall likewise destroy thee forever. He shall take thee away and pluck thee out of thy dwelling place and root thee out of the land of the living. The righteous also shall see and fear and shall laugh at him. Lo, this is the man who made not God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. I will praise thee forever because thou hast done it. And I will wait on thy name for it is good before thy saints. When we read God's word, you might not say it out loud, but what should you be thinking? How about Amen? <clears throat> I think I told you I was in a Christian school meeting and somebody say something good and I'd say amen amen one of the little seventh grade boys turned around why do you say amen because the Bible says that all the people say amen we don't do that in our church you don't what do you say we say yes sir <clears throat> I mean the same thing you are in agreement with God when God says, that's bad, we say, oh yeah, that's bad. And sometimes we're guilty of saying, abortion is wrong. Amen, that, that's bad. Homosexuality is wrong. That's bad. Covetousness is bad. Well, maybe not as bad. You try to play games with God? No, no. When I think about Psalm 52, it basically takes my mind back to Psalms 1 and 2 and 3. <clears throat> Even in the very first Psalm, we see a contrast between the righteous and the wicked. They have different minds, different hearts are moving in different directions, and they have different destinies. 
a Baptist of the 19th century, Joseph Burnley Moody, wrote a book, Sin, Salvation, and Service. And a lot of our messages need to remind us about where we were, where we are, and what we're supposed to do. <clears throat> so the first thought, there are rebellious rascals who consistently, who constantly misbehave. That's what we mean when we talk about total depravity. That doesn't mean everybody does everything that's wicked all the time, but their thoughts, their feelings, their words, their deeds are unsound. You need to know that. And we have the potential to do the same thing. You might not ever murder anybody with a gun, with a knife, with poison. But have you ever murdered somebody's reputation? Repeat some gossip that uh, had a cumulative effect? Have you ever spoken out in unnecessary anger? The wise man said a soft answer turns away wrath. Like I've been reminded many times, when you see a fly on your friend's forehead, don't swat it with a sledgehammer. At worst, use a fly's water. Romans 3, verses 10 and following, of course. I won't read that just now, but if you ever doubt that men are sinners through and through, and by men I don't mean just old fellows that have been locked up and they're in the prison doing life without parole, but folks like us, including, as Marsha's grandmother would say, weans. Weans are sinners. Did you know that? Oh, not me. Yep, me too. So, how is it that we misbehave? Well, the scripture says, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. In thought, we're wrong. Look at three and four. Thou loves evil more than good. So he says, I like good stuff, but I like the I like the evil even better. And lying rather than speak righteousness. You may have met somebody and said, you know, I think they'd rather tell a lie than the truth. That's human nature. Thou loves all devouring words. Oh, thou deceitful tongue. Let them have it. Score against them. I remember a TV show where the guy says, I'm going to make them squirm like a worm and squeal like an eel. And yeah, yeah, let them have it. Really? We should ask for mercy even when somebody has punishment meted out upon them. And uh, part of the problem, we've already seen it in Psalm 10, of the wicked God is not in all his thoughts. God should always be on our mind. But to the unregenerate, Last thing on our list is God's take on a thing. We'll see that again and again. In fact, in a couple of Psalms, Psalm 54, verse 3, 
it says they have not set God before them. <laughs> well, I don't care what God says. Who's afraid of the big bad God? Even Pharaoh says, Who is the Lord that I should obey him? Well, since you need a lesson, he got some lessons and he found out right quick now, didn't he? In thought, in word, Verse 2 began, Thy tongue deviseth mischiefs. Coming up with stuff. All that garbage out there. And then afterward they boast. The second half of verse 1 says, The goodness of God endureth continually. We need to know that that's so. And indeed, why boasteth thyself in mischief, O mighty man? You see, sinners don't only do the deed, but they brag about it. Like, look what I did. I stole so much from my boss. I got away with telling X number of lies. I could finagle here. I could cut corners there. <laughs> aren't I smart? No, you're waiting. And I think to myself, aren't I smart? But it's wrong. God's Word tells me, no, you're wicked. We need to know that that's so. The deceitful working, as we saw in verse 2, like a sharp razor working deceitfully. Sometimes we think, oh, that doesn't apply to me. <clears throat> Read it again. Think about it. The first chapter of Proverbs talks where the young man is old. No, listen to that crowd! When they tell you to think this way and go this place and do that thing. Trouble. Trouble. Well, first psalm reminds us there's a difference. Second psalm talks about the rebellion within man. It talks about the wicked who shake their fist at God. They're really hot stuff. You know what God does in heaven? Charging God with sin. The person who hears the instruction, and that's not what I was going to do. Some of us can remember Red Skelton. He had a little routine called the Mean Widow Kid. Remember the Mean Widow Kid? Well, for those of you who are not quite as old as some of us, the Mean Widow Kid would start out and he'd be a stinker, and then at the end he's getting a paddling. There's always a payback. Getting back to Galatians 6 again, be not the sea. God is not mocked. You're not going to make a monkey out of God. You can make a monkey out of me. Somebody else might make a monkey out of you. Nobody makes a monkey out of God. We need to know that that's so. It is implicit in the nature of our righteous God. And it says, the goodness of God endureth continually. Psalm 100 tells us, For the Lord is good, His mercy endureth forever, and His truth for all generations. 
We're not just fooling around when we say God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. God doesn't need to be reminded of that. The world doesn't care. We need to know that that's so. God is good. All the time. You don't like the way things are going? Don't try to tell God, now listen, I, there's a better way to do this. Mr. Ford's motto was Ford has a better idea. Maybe about making cars, he could be, let's see, um, anything buying Oldsmobiles these days? What happened to Oldsmobile? What happened to Pontiac? I, my first car was a Studebaker. Yeah, Studebaker. They're around forever, right? Well, uh, here in town there's a museum and there's a Studebaker in there. Except for the color, it's just like my first car. Their motto was the first bike car was a post-war car. In fact, they made Studebakers before they made cars. They made wagons. They'll be around forever, a lot of people thought. Uh, nope, nope. Maybe they're making them in Canada, somebody told me, but uh, mass production? The question is, what does the Lord say? How do things go? Look at verse 5. The doom of the rebels is sure. And just as sure it is, it will be complete. Nobody's going to slip through the cracks when it comes to God's judgment. Oh, we were talking with somebody about lawyers and how it seems like they can use fancy language and propose different ways that you can escape what ought to be justice. We don't always get justice in this world, but when you stand before the bar of God, you'll get one of two things. Justice or mercy. If Christ died for your sin, you stand covered by the blood. That's mercy, folks. You don't deserve heaven. I don't either. None of us do. But Christ has paid the price. He is a sacrifice. If the devil were to say, that lousy excuse for a Christian, all the Lord has to do is step up and say, I've already paid his fine. I've already done the time. I have paid all that needs to be paid. Because sin must be paid for. Either by us or by the Lord. The Lord took care of the eternal penalty. The place we call Calvary. The rest, they don't get mercy. In that sense, they get justice. They get just what they deserve. Now don't get high and oh, I don't go to heaven because I don't deserve heaven. I don't deserve hell, rather. Well, yeah, you do in your own merits. That should humble us. We can't get too big and bold and broad and say, well, I'm going to make heaven because I'm mighty good. I've got brownie points. I can do this. I can do that. That's nothing. Hey, how can you be so like that? It's true for you and it's true for me too. Jesus said, many will say, Lord, look at all the stuff we did. And the Lord will say to them, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, I need to put you on the list. No. No, that's when he'll say, our Bibles tell us, Jesus said, 
I'll say, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You know, in the scripture it says, the plowing of the wicked is sin. Somebody reads it, how can providing for a man's family be a sin? It's not wrong to plow. It's wrong to be a sinner. So when the sinner does a thing, he messes stuff up. If little Johnny or little Susie, no offense, if they are out in the dirt and the mud and they track it and they say, look, Mama, I picked you some flowers. Thank you. And then you look behind. What do you expect? You get out in the mud. You get out there with it bugs. You're probably going to get bit. You're out in the sunshine. If you don't put on sunscreen, you're probably going to get burnt. Verse 5 tells us, God shall likewise destroy thee forever. He shall take thee away and pluck thee out of thy dwelling place and root thee out of the land of the living. That's pretty clear. We already saw that in Psalm 46. No uncertain terms. The Lord is our life. How did Psalm 27 begin? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the light of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Ooh, there's this bad folk over here. God's in control. There's this disease. God's in control. There's an economic problem. God's in control. Gasoline is almost $5 a gallon. God's still in control. Don't sound like Lou Costello. Yeah, it. Yeah, it. But God's still in control. That's the way it is. Three times in each of the three divisions of the Old Testament, we read, God is my strength. God is my song. God is my salvation. There it is. And then in the third psalm, we're reminded that the righteous rejoice. And this psalm goes back to that theme. May we appreciate that. Two ways. First of all, the righteous in their steadfastness. We had a preacher who talked to the young preachers there at CBC. And he said, Ben, I have one bit of advice for you. You want to serve the Lord? Start young. Stay with the stuff. His name was Rufus Crawford. I keep running to these guys named Crawford. My instructor for three years was Lawrence Crawford. Cousin to Brother Glenn Crawford, who is his cousin that was here with us this morning. And we've had a lot of good talks. Pray for his mind. Pray for his heart. Pray that there might be a, a good opportunity there. You remember verse 6? More than once we read the scripture, it says we should hear and fear what the Lord has to say. In this verse, it's a little bit different, but same message. The righteous also shall see and fear and shall laugh at them. Now there's a part of us might say, well I'm a Christian, I don't want to laugh at anybody. Well, there's also a side which says we do. You remember a certain mountain called Carmel? And a certain prophet? 
There was just one of him. And the advocates of Baal, there were lots of them. And he says, let's see who really is God. Let's pray that our God will call down fire. That's a pretty clear test, isn't it? There's no gray area there. Either he will or he won't. And they started crying out. They started praying. And hopping up and down. They got excited. They got the spirit, some people would say. But you know what? You know what happened? Nothing. Nothing. No voice. No action. No indication that there was anybody paying attention. The prophet said, I feel for you fellows. Uh, look, maybe that made it a little tough here. Maybe, maybe you ought to think, no. He said, wait a minute. You're crying out to God, aren't you? Maybe you're not yelling loud enough. Cry louder. Think that'll get any results? You know, we live in a house that's a lot better insulated than our other houses. And I'm like, March! March! And then maybe, I can't hear you. So I gotta go where she is, or she's gonna come to me, or else I gotta wait. Well, that's what the prophet was saying. Maybe you can holler louder, he'll hear you. Old God's up there, he's gotta make a move. I can't hear you. Speak up, sonny. No. Or maybe. He's off someplace. I love visiting people in Heath Valley. But by telephone, won't always make a connection. We're driving along as a marsh. How many bars do you have? Uh, no service. There are spots where you just can't communicate. That's just the nature of the beast. But God's never, I'm sorry, I can't. The thing that keeps the Lord from hearing our prayers, we talked about it this morning. What is it? Isaiah 59, the first two verses. It's your sins. David prayed Psalm 68, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will. I don't care how tall the tower you have. I don't care how many G's your phone is spiritually. You regard iniquity in your heart. Won't get through to the Lord. Not in the sense of Him hearing and being pleased with that. So we saw that in verse 6. Again, going back to the first psalm. It tells us of the righteous. He shall be like a tree planted by the waters that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. You tell me you're a Christian. Great. What evidence is there? I had a friend, so I'm going to take up painting. All right. I saw him six months later. Hey, Mr. Painter, how's it going? Oh, it's going great. How many paintings you got? Well, I bought some oils the other day. How's the painting coming? I keep thinking about it. I'm getting, getting me around to it. 
The proof of the pudding is in the eating. Even the world says that. By their fruit, you shall know them. Nobody can look into my brain and say, he's thinking about God. Nobody can understand from my heart of hearts who comes first with me. But the way you talk and the way you walk, that says a lot. I don't mean to step on anybody's toes. I don't have any individual in mind. But I've bumped into an awful lot of people that tell me how much they love the Lord. And you just watch them and pretty soon, oh, the Lord is really their top priority. They talk a real good talk. T-I-C. Talk is cheap. Tell me how much you love the Lord. We took up an offering for missions. That says a lot about how we feel about the Lord. We have an opportunity for services. And when we're here, our minds should be focused on how can I best serve God? How can I grow in grace? How can I encourage? Not, oh, I can't wait to show such and such. I was, I was showing a little thing on the beepity beep and I shared with a few people. That's cute, but I I wouldn't say that's the main reason. We had a guy, every time he bought a new car, he sure to show up on Sunday morning. Hey, everybody have to serve. Come out look at my car. Well, he's got all the bells and whistles. You see the hoods up. Zip zap. Wow, that, that's really something. By the way, Brother Billy, thank you for noticing that I got a not a screw loose, a screw in that tire. So. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. <clears throat> but to see and fear, and as I said, we're compared to a blooming tree brings forth his fruit in his season. You tell somebody, I've been a Christian 30 years. Great! Where's the result? A man sent me something on his beepity beep. Claims to have been a Christian over 40 years. He got up in a service and he's recited the names of all the books of the New Testament. Now, if he was a little king and he'd just been saved, I'd say, that's tremendous. I can't say, I want to say three cheers for him. There was a fellow at the Cummins prison. Spanish is his first language. He wanted to learn English. He didn't get him a reader or a primer. He got his Bible. And it wasn't the first chapter of Esther. Not the first place I'd have somebody to go for God's Word. Not that there's any problem with Esther, but for a young Christian, my counsel would be, read the Gospel of John. Because it's, it's like honey for your heart. It portrays Christ in so many clear ways. But this guy memorized the first chapter of Esther and he wanted Marcia to listen. And wasn't he word perfect? You know what? I couldn't quote Esther chapter 1. We're not talking about Jesus wept. See, I know a Bible verse. Wow, I bet in a pinch you could recite John 3 16. And the minimum becomes the maximum, doesn't it? But he wanted to learn English and he wanted to learn God's word. What better way? God's word in English. And so he hid it in his heart and he could give it back. You know what? Uh, gigs me. 
And I don't say it to make you uncomfortable, to make you realize that we all have room for improvement. Not a one of us has arrived. Not even the preacher we once had who, well, I've studied that out. He said, I preached a sermon on that once. And so you mentioned that topic. You would think, in his own mind, he was an expert on that. I'm not an expert. You folks are sheep. And I'm a sheep. And sheep aren't so smart. And sheep aren't so strong. And sheep aren't really able to do much but lay there and die. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, Paul writes, you're more than conquerors. Because you're smart. Because you're strong. Because you're spiritual through Christ. Christ paid the price. Christ fights our battles. In and of ourselves, folks, we're nothing. All of us combined. And we talk about our confidence is in the mercy of the Lord. Look at the second part of verse 8. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. I trust in my powerful legs to get me from point A to point B. I've seen a lot of Christians in wheelchairs. I've seen a lot of Christians who have their legs amputated. One brother told me at camp, his dad had both of his legs amputated. Not just his feet, not just in his knees, but all the way up. Both legs. Spiritually, we're worse off than that. You know. We need to know it's so. And then in the correction and condemnation of the wicked. We're in red verse 6, where it says, The righteous shall see and fear and shall laugh at him. What do they say? This is the man that made not God his strength. You say, I trust in the Lord. I trust in vitamins. I do exercises. One lady I do Pilates. Well, anything sounds a lot like Pontius Pilate. I don't want to get around and think too much. But we take pride in all kinds of things. Your pride's supposed to be the Lord. I think we were reminded already about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Well, I got a little bit and lean not to my own understanding. It's not because you understand it. Sometimes grace people, well, I understand the lecture. Well, really, do you? Maybe if you did, would that save you? I would venture to say there are a lot of folks in hell right now who had it in their head about election and predestination. Knowing facts, reciting doctrine isn't in and of itself salvation. If you say you ought to think God's thoughts after him, but just because you can make a sound, you go to a pet shop and you say a passage of scripture, and then there's a parrot, that's what the world who's a Christian parrot? No, he's a parrot. He's just mimicking. Needs to come from our That's what it's about. And so we read how that the wicked those, those who trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. Ouch. 
And so we get the last laugh, if you will. Not that we take some demented pleasure. The Lord says, I, I have no pleasure in the destruction of the wicked. But we need to say, Amen. Folks, if you mess up and God clobbers you, I'm not going to say, mean old God, I'm taking your side against God. No. Sister Heath has told us more than once about some relative who said after her husband was dead, I cursed God every day. You think because your comfort zone, your nest was shaken, that God is the meanie and you can lash out at Him? Folks, even a casual reading of God's Word lets us know that's not a lie. That's just flat wrong. If it's not an abomination, it'll do until a better illustration comes along. Time after time, a reminder of that. Look at verse 9. The way God deals with things is the right way. Early on with the priesthood, you got Moses, who's this leader, the man of God, and his older brother Aaron. And Aaron was the first high priest. And you know how many sons he started out with? At four. Nadab and Abiram. And then the other two were Eleazar and Ithamar. Don't hear too much about Nadab and Abihu. Because it tells us part of the job was to watch the fire. We're supposed to keep the home fire going. We should be here in church. We should be hearing God's word and thinking God's thoughts after Him. If you're providentially hindered and you can't be here, I understand. You could have four flat tires. If we had only one car and four flats on it, we either have to call somebody to get a ride. It'd take me a while these days to walk to church. We don't live about a mile and a half away. You folks who come in from Oklahoma, you have my respect. But all of us should make a point to be where God would have us to be, to say what God would have us to say, and to do what God would have us to do. Now, if you are providentially hindered, that's one thing. I missed several weeks of church in 2020. I was flat on my back. I couldn't go to church. I couldn't go to the job. I couldn't go to Walmart. Somebody, well, if I couldn't go to Walmart, I don't know how I'd survive. Trust me, you would. You could. Some people, oh, church, well, I could always miss church. It'll go on without me. Is that your attitude? You say, they don't need me. Well, even if, quote, they don't, you need them. You need the fellowship. I was glad when they said unto me, somebody's going to church. It's not quite the way it reads, is it? Let us. That means we at least. Like I say, if you're providentially hindered, you can't be here. But we do put up on a sign we have Sunday morning services. We have Sunday later in the day services, whether it's afternoon or evening. 
That's kept secret. A lot of Baptist churches, even at Wednesday night service. Now we didn't have one this last week here. We had it up at camp, and thankfully some folks joined us up there. But we need to meet. We need to greet. Don't be like the guy that comes in at the last minute, flops down the back row, doesn't say a word, doesn't want anybody to talk to him, and then he's the first one out of here. Might even beat the preacher out the door. Really? I bet they don't go to ball games like that, show up late, make up for it by leaving early. Hmm. Somebody says, you know, the preacher doesn't stop preaching. He's done commenced meddling. Funny how other people's sins really bug us. But our own sins, we're kind of comfy with them, aren't we? Hmm. <coughs> hmm. You know, you can't spell sin without I in the middle. And I see myself in the middle of bad stuff a lot of times. Verse 9 began, I will praise thee forever because thou hast done it. If you say, mean old God, something wrong with your thinking. Something wrong with your ticker, spiritually. And Jacob said, Joseph is gone. The city is gone. You would take faith. All these things are against me. That's exactly the opposite of Romans 8.28. Don't rattle off Romans 8.28 when it's a sunny day like it is today. We had a beautiful sunny day Thursday. <laughs> we had power out storm Friday. God's still on the throne. It wasn't the devil's day because it was dark and gloomy and rainy and all of that. How do we think? How do we evaluate things? So he is the one to be honored. Not too long ago, the last verse of this 50th Psalm, Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me. What should you do when things are going mighty fun? Praise God. How about if they're not so mighty fun? Still, praise God. You know when you're supposed to, when you're obliged to honor God? If you have breath. Now, when you stop breathing, God's not going to expect you to use your tongue to praise God. In this world, you don't have any bread. But who gave you the bread? If you have it, use it to honor God. If you don't, you might not have a whole lot of breaths coming up down the road. For some reason, recently I'm quoting Ecclesiastes 7, 8 a lot. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning. Anybody can start out strong, promising, being bold in their statement of what they're going to accomplish. Again, talking about Pilgrim's Progress. When Christian was joined by a guy named Mr. Pliable. Hey, that sounds like fun. We're getting away from the city of destruction. We're going to the celestial city. I don't want to go. Where can I sign up? Christian was glad for the company. But when we got to the slew, the slew of despond, he sunk down at least to his knees in the mud. I don't like this. I don't want to go home. And he bailed on Christian. If you're going to be like a character 
in Pilgrim's Brother, you want to be like Mr. Faithful or Mr. Valiant for Truth. Know what it says and then follow the instruction book. But I'm the only one. Still, follow the instruction book. But it's hard. Follow the instruction book. If you want the easy road, all the time, just go home, crawl under the bed, pull the covers over your head, and hope and pray that all the troubles stay away. And I'll tell you the truth, though. That, that really doesn't work too well. We might feel like it. I heard about a man that said, Honey, I just don't feel like going to church today. And she said, Get out of this bed. You're going to church. He said, can you give me one good reason? She said, I'll give you three. Number one, there's nothing wrong with you. You're physically healthy. Number two, I want you to do so for the sake of our family. And number three, you're the preacher. You've got to go there and preach. I want you to know something. My attitude for these years has been, not that I've got to preach, in the sense that it's an obligation. I have a standard response when somebody comes to me and says, you know, I, I'm kind of tired of doing this for the work of the Lord. I don't say, oh, please, please, please. No, I say, live with it. Don't do it. If it's a burden to serve the Lord, the Lord will provide somebody with the right heart, the right mind, somebody who can make the time to do what they're supposed to do. Now, I'll admit, I've had some time when I thought, man, this, this gets rough. I can relate to the old Puritan that said, Lord, sometimes I tire in your work, but I do not tire of your work. I'm older than I've ever been, obviously. I get through preaching basically two sermons back to back. If I don't stand on my feet for too long, I say, i got to sit down. <laughs> It's not that I don't want fellowship, but uh, the old legs get tired. I'm glad I got a podium to lean on from time to time. I don't have the youth that I had when I started preaching all oh, those many years ago. I still have the desire. I can appreciate the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I'm so glad I got this thing to help me get up here. Because otherwise, I'd have to even lean on the furniture down there. I asked somebody to give me a hand. People come up to me and they give me the right hand of fellowship. Why we're doing that? I have a desire to serve the Lord. And except for remembering a few names. Right, George? Except for some kind of forgetfulness. My mind is clear enough that I can Try to get some thoughts across that I hope and pray are consistent with this book. And you listen. Because I messed up. Sometimes I'm, you know, Jeremy, Billy, they record these. And I play these back. Not because I like the sound of my own voice. I've gotten used to that. And I want to make sure I don't mislead any of you. I think the worst blunder that I know of that I made was when I told our group in Benton on a Sunday night Aren't you glad that Samson died for your sins? I played the tape back. And I don't believe I said that. And then the next time we met, I said, by the way, folks, 
I messed up. And really, somebody should have caught that. But we knew what you meant. I can appreciate that, but I'm not too big to be called down in the same. If I say something that's flat wrong, now if I quote a Bible verse and you have a problem with it, your problem's not with me, your problem's with the Word of God. A friend of mine, pastoring a Grace Church in California, they had in their business meeting, by the way, we, we are, we're still having a business meeting, right? Okay. In the middle of business meeting, or rather before business meeting, before the actual business took place, the pastor or some other man in the church would get up and read a portion of scripture. Well, they didn't really see grace like we do. The pastor got up and he read Romans 9. That's the litmus test. Some people hear Romans 9, they say, Amen. Some people hear it and they say, Oh, me. Well, he got through, and a deacon jumped up and says, How do I go down and read this? I don't believe a word of what that preacher just read. And the preacher, as graciously as he knew the house, said, But, brother, I'm just reading the scripture. He jumped back to him. I want to go down and read this church. I don't believe a word the preacher said. The way he read it. famous Arminian evangelist was given an honor from a school where there were an awful lot of grace people. And he said, these colonists who make these things about this other, and try to take me to task for some of the methods I use, I'll tell you what, you need to read between the lines sometimes. So some of the young preachers came, well preacher, could you show me what it says between these lines? These lines? These lines? You're gonna you're gonna speak up. You better put up, or you better hush up. We live in a world of uncertainty, anxiety, and we are exhorted again and again to wait on the Lord. We've now gone 52 of the 150 of the Psalms. We're over 34% of the way through the whole book of the Psalms. You say, you know, I, I get distracted. I don't know if I can have the attention to read through the whole book of the Psalms. Just come to church. And Lord, be in my help. That's my intention. To get through them all. We're not quite half, but we're a lot closer than we've ever been. Back in Psalm 37, Verse 7 says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not thyself because of Him who prospereth in His way. That guy's a gazillionaire. And I'm just scratching two nickels together. Well, your benefits are out of this world. Because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. And then verse 37 says, Mark the perfect man. Watch the man who knows how to think, who knows how to speak, who knows how to behave. Where will they be? If the person says, it's a sunny day, I got money in the bank, doctor says I got a good accounting, I'm healthy as a horse. 
I'll go to church. When his bank account is depleted, when he's sick, when he's discouraged, mean old God. That's not the perfect, the mature, the complete man. You watch the man who lives by this book consistently, not just Sunday morning. We had an occasion up at camp. We tell the kids before we're going to eat for the dinner, tell us something you're thankful for. And so we say, I'm thankful for Sunday morning church. Maybe they don't even know there's Sunday night church. Maybe they don't know there's Wednesday night church. Every once in a while, I'd make a comment. So, by the way, folks, if you didn't see the sign, we do have church Sunday night. We even have church Wednesday night. Wouldn't hurt if you showed up. And uh, again, it sometimes gets really quiet. Mark the perfect man and behold the upright. Why should I? The end of that man is peace. You want to have peace with God? Peace with your fellow man. Peace with yourself. Do what God would have you to do. The way God would have you to. Because God told you to.